0: What matters more, chemistry or talent? Has Kyle Lowry become indispensable for Miami? And what's up with Jimmy Butler's layups? All that and more on today's mailbag episode of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Rimmel, the host of Locked on Heat, the longest running podcast covering your Miami Heat Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Remember that every episode is always free and available wherever you get the show. So make sure you subscribe and follow to get the best coverage available. And another reminder, sorry, it's that all future shows will be available on YouTube. So please, please go and subscribe there as well. Tell your friends, tell your enemies. Tell everyone, and thank you. This episode of Locked On Heat is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you over to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. I'm going to start off today's mailbag again with some questions about chemistry over talent and then talk a little bit about Jimmy Butler and his struggles at the rim, which I think are being a little overinflated before going on a deeper dive regarding some of the rule changes and how they might be impacting Jimmy's shooting. But I'll start off with this question again from... Miles via Twitter. He sent this in via direct message, which is always something all of you can do. You can always reach out to me and my future co-hosts. Again, a big change coming up for the network. And make sure that you can always just send us a message via DM, via Twitter, use the hashtag heat or you can always reach out to us uh, via email over at LockdownHeat at gmail.com. Miles writes in, what's more important for winning a championship, chemistry or talent? This can be answered specifically about the Heat or just in general. The further explanation would be in a series between a team that is less talented but super cohesive on the court versus a super talented team that doesn't have much chemistry, which team is more likely to come out on top? It's a really interesting question, and I think we're seeing one kind of play out when we're watching this Miami Heat team because it's been apparent with the addition of P.J. Tucker and Kyle Lowry, of course, that both of them have been immediately impactful and has fit perfectly with this currently assembled roster. Jimmy... Bam, Duncan Robinson's, the holdovers in the starting lineup. But you insert Kyle Lowry, who's looking to get everybody else going, and P.J. Tucker, the guy who is willing to do all the dirty work that doesn't need to look for his own shots, although he was very impactful as a scorer against the Brooklyn Nets on Wednesday night. But moreover, these are just guys that fit together. And I think that's the right answer, and that's the word that's missing from Miles' question, and the answer is fit. It's not necessarily about talent although it certainly helps. And it's not necessarily about chemistry, which also helps, but it's about fit. Let me look at it this way. I think you look at that first year of the Big Three era from 2010 to 2011, and you would say that that team with three of the top 10, maybe top 15, depending on your subjective view of Chris Bosh's skills in that particular time before he became an otherworldly defender and three-point shooter, I think you could say that there were questions about that te- There was no question about that team from a talent perspective. Again, three of the top 15 players. We have not seen an assemblage of that kind of talent in quite some time. You look at even at Golden State when they had Steph Curry and when they had Kevin Durant on that roster, and clearly they were more talented than any other group, but you also had another fantastic shooter in Clay Thompson. You also had a guy who was also willing to sacrifice his statistics – the overall good of the team in Andre Iguodala and Draymond Green. Two very important players on that roster. And sometimes you had to have somebody fill in at center too, either Kevon Looney or a Zaza Pachulia or somebody else that was going to at least eat up some minutes and grab a rebound, initiate fast break opportunities, take a charge, draw a foul, foul somebody if necessary. You have to have more important than anything else balance, fit, over talent or over chemistry. I've been in the both both sides of the spectrum where I've seen as far as chemistry is concerned, I've been in insanely untalented by any kind of stretch of the imagination rosters and in locker rooms there where the guys just got along. They just got along. Uh you could look to look at look at the the 31 and 10 Miami Heat and the 10 and 31 Miami Heat 2015-16, right? James Johnson, Dion Waiters, Tyler Johnson, Luke Babbitt, Goran Dragic, Goran Dragic, a phenomenal player. And yet you look at how those other players on that roster are either out of the league fighting for some kind of, you know, scraps as far as their careers are concerned maybe struggling in Los Angeles like Justice or struggling in Boston like Josh Richardson. That was a roster that was not particularly talented. Let's be honest. And yet at the same time, they got along. Now, you could look to that and say, well, that's heat culture. And yes, it's also chemistry. They have to like each other. There was a friendship there between Dion and Goran that was incredibly unlikely. No one would have thought, oh yeah, Dion, the kid from... Philadelphia that thought so highly of himself that's looking just for an opportunity to prove himself in the NBA is going to get along with a Slovenian left-handed point guard. No one saw that one coming. And yet there was chemistry there. Yeah, it eventually worked itself out because there was enough talent and yes, enough culture and great coaching that was able to maximize that roster and get them to play much more cohesively. And much more effectively, but that took some time. It took forty one very, very painful games in order to reach that chemistry. Now, I've also been on the other end of the spectrum. The most miserable locker room I have ever been in was a locker room in not not even a locker room. It was a practice, a pregame practice for the Cleveland Cavaliers, the year that Dwayne Wade joined the Cavs for a brief stint there. And that was a team that was losing, that just couldn't seem to find it, and they had Three Hall of Famers there. Yeah, Kyrie was no longer on that team. They had Dwayne on that roster. Great friends with LeBron. They had Kevin Love there. They had LeBron there, of course. They had Jake Crowder. They had Isaiah Thomas. What a miserable group that was. Tristan Thompson. I don't know. Great role players. Great fit. Everything else. And absolutely miserable. Absolutely mister I'm sure I've talked about it before. I, I've lost track of the number of times I've mentioned it either, you know, personally or to other coworkers or of course on this podcast. And yet, so I, I apologize if I've mentioned this before, but that was just so damn glum. I have never seen anything like that. A team that was on their way to a fourth consecutive NBA finals trip couldn't stand being around each other. And that's the other end of the spectrum. And look at, look at 2006, or so 2005-2016. We just saw in a fantastic Q&A with Udonis Haslam that he got into a fight with Gary Payton, his teammate that year, with a broomstick, that Payton grabbed a broomstick to try and hit Udonis Haslam. And yet somehow they managed to pull that team together and win a championship. Why? It just worked out. Fit, talent, and yes, of course, a supreme performance from Dwayne Wade. But even in the finals, yelling at Gary Payton, Dwayne yelling at Gary Payton in the middle of a finals game and just falling apart before, you know, Payton hits a, a huge shot in the clutch, before Dwayne takes over, etc. Chemistry can only take you so far. Talent can take you only so far. What matters more than anything else is fit. And I think that's what we've seen with this roster. It's just that it's assembled well, which is why I've always been particularly high on it. Yes, I've played the devil's advocate. Yes, I've also tried to temper my expectations. Even now, with four games early on in the regular season, we haven't really seen anything. They've been tested in the terms of, you know, they face a good Brooklyn team. They face a really good Milwaukee team that was missing key players. They also struggled without Cal Lowry on the floor. And so I think... We haven't really seen what this Heat team is capable of. They're trending in the right direction, and that matters. And yes, overall, they have a great balance across the roster. You've got your potent scorer and Tyler Hero coming off the bench. Your incredible long range shooter that even if he's knocking down, if not knocking down shots, still stretches the floor, still draws defenders on him, and can make other plays outside of just shooting. You've got Jimmy Butler, who can do a little bit of everything. Be aggressive, sure. Make plays, sure. Get to the line? Absolutely. Bab and bio. In that same mold, defensively, absolutely offensively, a little bit of a playmaker, a little bit of a scorer, a little bit of awesome. And that's really worked out. And then, of course, like like I mentioned before, Lowry, the playmaker, the one who gets everybody else going, even when his shots aren't falling. P.J. Tucker, who cares if he's shooting? Yes, it's nice to get 15 points out of him like you did against the Brooklyn Nets on Wednesday, but that's not going to happen every night. In fact, I'd count that maybe five times over the course of the season, he'll score 15 points or more. And yet, he fits perfectly. He just does all the dirty work. He draws charges. He gets in Kevin Durant's face. He does what's necessary. That works. That's why this team was so good a couple years ago in the Orlando bubble. Jake Crowder, similarly to what we saw or what we've seen so far from PJ Tucker, just a guy who can get on his teammates and and yell and and do it in a supportive way which is the difference, which is how Jimmy was perceived in Minnesota and Philadelphia and Chicago as a hard-ass, right? Not trying to get everybody going. And yet he comes to Miami, and it's like, you know what? He's yelling at you. Yeah, yeah, he is, because he wants you to be better, because he knows that you can be better. And this I know I've mentioned a countless number of times before. Everybody always made such a big deal about the relationship between Butler and Wiggins, and yes, it was an awkward fit because they were both ostensibly playing the, the wing position. And I remember talking to Jimmy specifically about a piece that I never wound up writing. But what I came away from that conversation was how much Jimmy was obsessed with work and why he was, at that point in time, in Minnesota, mind you, even before the fight, the practice, all the other trash and that had happened in that organization. I knew that Jimmy Butler was a perfect fit in Miami. All he kept talking about was the work with the work to work. And when he talked about Wiggins, all he kept saying was, Andrew is so talented. He just needs to put in the work. He just needs to put in the work. And he was right. Wiggins can be a phenomenal player, but he's just never necessarily become the realized version of that potential. And that's all he wants for you. That's all he's ever wanted in Philadelphia and in Miami. And in Miami, you're much more willing to accept that kind of harsh criticism because, you know, he's probably right. He, I think that's why Tyler has fit so well on this team, because as we've seen from Udonis and Bam and everybody else, Tyler doesn't mind being criticized. He's not not necessarily soft. He's not as sensitive about that kind of criticism because he realizes, hell, if I want to get better, I better put in the work. And why wouldn't I want to listen to my 33 year old all NBA player? Why wouldn't I listen to a guy who's won three NBA championships and been to the finals five times, six times, excuse me? Maybe they know what the hell they're talking about. And given all that, I think we've seen that Tyler has proven that he can be a capable player and capable of growing and accepting the responsibility, et cetera. So I hope I answered your question, Miles, but yes. We've seen Kyle be an incredible fit on this roster. But has the team become too dependent on him already? I'll answer that in the next segment. Before that, I wanted to tell you, again, a reminder that today's episode of Locked On Heat is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. They've always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and families can come to Reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group, win or lose. It's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team or the away team can come to recharge yeah you can get free dependable wi-fi or an endless supply of french fries and mcflurries but it's a place you always look forward to stopping at at a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel i remember talking to my former co-host west goldberg about this and yeah west i mean west was spot on you you go on a long drive and you know that a mcdonald's is going to be there maybe you're thinking oh maybe there's something else another place another restaurant but you know that McDonald's will always be there. And you know what you're getting from them. It's always going to be affordable. It's always going to be delicious. And it's always going to meet whatever you're looking for. Whether, again, it's just a place to rest or a place to reconnect or a place to get great food, McDonald's is the place for you. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Did somebody say Lockdown Eat Watch Party? I'm loving it. reminder again to follow us over at YouTube. That new channel is launching. We've got some great support early on and hopefully that'll just continue to grow. But uh, I'm going to take this segment to answer a couple of questions that are kind of closely connected regarding Kyle Lowry because, well, he's just become, as I mentioned earlier, indispensable to this team. 3-0 and with him in the lineup. And of course, Miami's one loss where Kyle sat out because of his ankle injury against the Indiana Pacers, an overtime loss, which he would have made a huge difference. Now, this first question comes in from Sheesh305 via Twitter using the hashtag AskElloHeat. It's been a small sample size But do you think Kyle Lowry's health is going to be the difference this year between the Heat being championship contenders or not? And then as a follow-up question, Sean underscore 305 also sends it in via Twitter. Is the Heat offense too dependent on Kyle Lowry? So closely related questions. Again, you know, connection there being the obvious one. Lowry driving the conversation, driving this team. And as far as Sheish, your original question, I don't know if his health is going to be the difference this year between the Heat being a championship contender or not. There is so much to could, could potentially derail this team. What Look, I said it before, and I firmly believe this. This team only goes as far as Jimmy Butler takes them. Lowry will do a phenomenal job. He will get everybody going. Bam will carry them for the stretches. Tyler, we've seen already, can carry the team. P.J. can do what he does. He's not going to carry the team, not realistically, not at this point in his career. Lowry is essential out there because he is the connective glue. He is the one that ties it all together. He'll draw the charge, make the big play. (laughs) I, I hate to keep going back to these conversations that I've had previously, but to hear about Lowry connecting with both young players and veterans equally well, finding a common ground, building that chemistry, as I talked about in that first segment, has been a huge boost for this team because I really do think he provides... Just, again, a connective glue there. He's a guy who ties everybody together. You know he's got championship experience. He's led teams. He's also taken a back seat. Right now, he's struggling from the floor. I don't really particularly care. Even though he's not shooting particularly well, I get the feeling that those things are going to work themselves out. Moreover, he's still been hugely impactful. He's pushing the pace, looking ahead, finding guys open. Like Everybody wants somebody who shares the ball, and Lowry excels in that particular skill. He's trying to get you better looks. He's trying to get you better opportunities to score. He doesn't care about his own numbers at this point. He's getting paid regardless if he puts up 40 points or 10. And right now, he's just making sure that everybody else is getting going, getting into their rhythm, and it's working. We saw that from Jimmy his first season when he was working with the guys like Duncan and Bam, making sure that he talked them up, that he it talked about how impactful they were, how important they were to the success of this team. And it's worked. We did it with Tyler, boosted his confidence, and then they had – Somehow, right, they somehow had the integrity, the the ability to handle the pressure of the Orlando bubble and make a hugely unexpected run. So, Sheish, to your question, I don't know how important Kyle's health is going to be because there are so many other factors here. He's incredibly important to this team, without a doubt. I think, moreover, if you're going to rank the hierarchy of whose health is more important, it's Jimmy, then Bam, and then Kyle. Like, yes, we've seen Kyle sit out one game. But in a seven-game series, who's most likely to sway that in Miami's favor? I think you can still have a struggling offensive game from Lowry, and as long as Jimmy is at his very best, it still gives you a pretty good chance to win. So I, that's how I see it, and you're going to need the versatility on defense that Bam provides. It's just too important. But you also have—you can't discredit. This isn't a knock on Lowry. He isn't hugely important. He is incredibly impactful. But I just don't necessarily know whether it's his health that is a greater priority than anybody else's. In fact, I would say, again, that you can find a way to win a game or a series if Lowry is out, so long as you have Jimmy playing at his best. Maybe those things are harder to come by. You know, Jimmy is getting older as well. But as long as Jimmy is healthy in May and June, I think Miami's chances are pretty good. Now, to answer Sean's question, are they too dependent on Lowry? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I think, you know, obviously we've seen the same things from him in the three games that he's played. He, he pushes at pace, making, you know, looking ahead to everybody, trying to get them going. Uh, it's nice to have him out there to stretch the floor, even when he's not actually stretching the floor. You have to be aware of where he is on the court, you have to be alert and understand that he can knock those shots down, that he can create place for others. They can draw a defender out to the perimeter, making it easy to drive to the hoop. You know, the drive and kick game, we've seen that kind of flourish with Lowry here. It's been a mainstay in Miami's offense for a long time, but it's always good to have a guy like Lowry who can take it to a whole other level. Yes, he's become important. I don't know if it's dependent on him. It's a, it's a good question. I, I like I, I feel like we've seen four games of this team, as I mentioned before, small sample size theater. It's easy to get caught up in it. And, yes, I, I guess my gut would be willing to say that they have become too dependent on him, but I think he just makes everything better. And and that's to say that the pieces are already there, but that a guy like Lowry just kind of thrives and flourishes in helping them reach another level. And. That's to say that they can always reach that other level, but he's, he's just facilitating that. He's just making it easier for those guys to become the best versions of themselves. I don't know if that necessarily makes any sense. I'm, I'm just, Even as I'm saying it out loud, it's tough to kind of quantify. Because yes, we've seen... Jimmy have phenomenal performances where he's been single-handedly responsible for those performances. It wasn't dependent on Lowry. Wasn't, he wasn't even on the roster. It wasn't dependent on Goran Dragic, who wasn't even available, or Bam Adebayo, or anybody else. It was just Jimmy saying, you know what, give me the effing ball. I'm going to go and take over. So, it's nice to have Lowry out there. He does make things easier for everybody else. I don't think anybody is dependent on him just yet. We'll see. We'll see. At this point in time, my answer is... They're making the most of having Lowry out there, and Lowry is bringing the best in everybody else, which is what you want. Before we have to even have any kind of concerns about whether or not the team is falling apart without – look, they've changed their offense. He provides a spark they didn't have. I don't think Jimmy was willing in a you know a, an early season game in October to take over the game the way he did in the NBA Finals against the Los Angeles Lakers. You know, maybe he could have scored a a forty-point triple-double against the Pacers, but it's probably not something you want to rely on. For look, we've seen guys like Bradley Beal and others, Dame Lillard, et cetera, put up big numbers in mid-season, regular-season games, and for what? You know, they can get shut down in the playoffs. In Beal's case, maybe they won't even make the playoffs. Putting up those big numbers in, in October or February or whatever doesn't translate into victories. And I think that's what this team still this is where this team still flourishes. This is where this team is looking ahead, you know, similar to what Lowry does. They're looking ahead to victories. Not whether I score twenty five points per game. Not whether I beat the Pacers in October, but can I beat the Nets and the Bucks in June or, or May. You know, as I advanced on my way to the NBA Finals. That's what their goal is. That's what they're looking ahead to. So right now, very too early to tell. I appreciate all these questions, and I apologize if I can't give the nuanced answers that maybe some of you are looking for, but at the same time, it's been four games, and I don't know if we've got a good gauge yet for what this team is capable of. We've seen things. We've seen them trend positively, and yet I still think that there's growth to be had if they're able to unlock shooters like Duncan, Tyler, Kyle, etc., this team can be very, very good. That's just my opinion. Take it for what you will. But when it comes to my opinion, let me tell you, Built Bars are the best tasting protein bar I've ever had. You'll love them. They're all soft, easy to chew, and 100% covered in chocolate. If you're looking for an indulgent treat right as we're kicking off into the holidays, then Built Bar is the choice for you. You can try any one of their nine delicious flavors, whether you like coconut or raspberry or double chocolate or cookies and cream. All of them are great. You can get a box of each one of your favorites, or you can get a mixed box where you get two bars of each of those nine delicious flavors. Again, they fit all kinds of diets, guilt free. Get the nutrients that you're looking for in a protein bar without sacrificing any of the taste. And best of all, if you go to built.com and use the promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your order. So use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. And don't forget that we are back and better than ever. That's right. BetOnline.ag is got a new web interface for the start of the basketball season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use our promo code LOCKDOWN to receive that bonus from basketball, football, baseball, Boxing, your Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet in all your favorite sports. Bet Online where the game starts. And don't forget to use that promo code locked on. You can always reach me via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter. Use the hashtag AskLOHeat. Be sure to please follow the show on iTunes, on YouTube, wherever you get podcasts. And again, leave a review, please. A couple more questions in today's mailbag. Uh, This one comes in via Twitter from Samuel. You were originally thinking that we should get someone like Thad Young in the secondary market before the deadline. But now that you've seen Dwayne Dedman and Markeith Morris hold their own off the bench do you think the John Wall route would benefit benefit Miami more than bolstering the front court? Great question. I know a lot of people are thinking, well, maybe there's one more move ahead. The X factor in all this is the one player we just haven't seen perform at all for Miami, and that's Victor Oladipo. I think Oladipo currently is better than John Wall currently. I think we've seen – we've read too much into that one Pacers game because it was kind of startling to see a team that was so dynamic against the Milwaukee Bucks kind of – struggle right to to look any kind of sense of competency against the pacers they just were not the same team from one day to the next on thursday against the bucks they were fantastic on saturday against the pacers barely recognizable since then they've won two great games with lowry in the on the lineup and i think certainly that's helped miami kind of you know poking a holes in what i was talking about before regarding jimmy butler able to take over games he couldn't do it against the Pacers. Maybe it's not that big a deal, as I mentioned before. As far as, Samuel, your question is concerned, I I don't know. I, I really – I struggle with with this kind of answer because, again, four games, really hard to tell. Yes, everybody's kind of saying, look, a lot of pressure being put on Gabe Vincent because he kind of struggled in his role – as the backup point guard, the guy who took over the, or was supposed to take over for Lowry against the Pacers did not play particularly well. I think you're asking a lot of Gabe Vincent to rise up to that challenge. But I don't know if anybody would be talking about Gabe Vincent's performance if Jimmy and Bam had played as well as they're capable of. That's the whole thing, right? Like you know, if they had, if they had kept, you know, for O'Shea Brissett from from knocking down a three pointer against the in, in the fourth quarter and they don't go into overtime and they eke out a victory does anybody even remember that Gabe had a bad game it'd be 4-0 right now everybody would talk, be talking about a, a likely championship contender you know oh, they're capable of beating anybody in the east even without Larry with Larry instead you know they struggle in the overtime and I still think that there was something going on there with Jimmy and Bam that looked incredibly sluggish. This is not the best version of either of those players. Jimmy talked about it, and then of course he wound up following it up with a 36-point performance against the Magic. He wound up having a huge game, nearly a triple-double against the Nets. Incredibly, you know, just great performances from him. So, to me, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly. I don't think Wall who's not playing, I don't think he is the right answer. I don't know that there is a right answer. I think the best answer, realistically, is still Victor Olotipo. And if you've already got him on the roster, and again, this goes to Pat Riley's comments before the season started and how willing the Miami front office and Mickey Arison are to take on a 15th player because you've got an open roster spot here. You've got the spot there. Yes, you take on that player, you'll pay the tax, and then next year you have to pay the repeater tax. Totally understandable why they wouldn't want to pay for that kind of expense. And I don't know what that Young brings at this point in time because he's not playing in San Antonio. He's just not getting any opportunities with the Spurs. That's the agreement that he has with the front office and Greg Popovich. They tell him, look, we have to go young. We're leaning into it. And they understand that. And as a result, he's just not getting the kind of playing time. I, I think he is a respected veteran. He stretches the floor, does the hard work, grabs the rebound, I think he'd be a great fit here. Again, a lot of that is relying on me being able to look ahead to February and knowing whether or not P.J. Tucker is fully healthy or whether or not Cal Lowry is fully healthy. If, if either of those two are players, whichever one of those two players wants, then I think, obviously, you'd want to get somebody that's a quality backup. I do like what Deadman and Morris have brought to the table. I, I appreciate you pointing that out, Sam, because I wasn't so sure what they were going to be adding to this roster, but they've both thrived through four games. I think they've been phenomenal. Moore seems to be getting into shape. And I think he's finding his rhythm as a scorer. I think he's still going to show some improvement here and there. I think he's also going to have a couple games where you go, God damn, what are you doing, Marquise? And yet at the same time, he's impactful. Deadman similarly, he can be played off the floor, but against the Nets, huge body out there. Swatty shots, pulling down rebounds, getting the easy looks. And if he's knocking down that 15-footer, pff, that's, that's great. That is that is gravy. That is something you did not expect from Dwayne Deadman, not realistically. Like, you saw him last year. How many jumpers did he take at all? It was garbage points, right? It was just cleaning up the glass and doing a phenomenal job at, at it. And that's why I had doubts about whether or not he'd be able to take that and translate it to this season. But he's looked in shape. He's looked energized. He's going to get paid next season. This is the Dwayne Deadman farewell tour, basically. He's been that good. So why not bring in another guy like that? Why not bring another guy that has been proven at this level who might need something else to prove he's never won a championship, might want to be a part of this team. He's an old competitor, a guy that Miami knows pretty well from their his days in Chicago and before that in Indiana. I think they'd love to have a guy like that. He just seems like he fits this roster without being disruptive. He's not taking over anybody's time. If you bring in a guy like John Wall, not a knock on wall. I don't even know him. I've, I've really, I think I talked to him once. Over the course of, I don't know, how many years now I've been covering the league. I think I've spoken to him once. seemed fine. I was talking to him about Kelly Oubre. That's what it was. And I'll tell you, he he spoke glowingly about Oubre. That's fine. And yet, I don't really know him. You kind of hear a little bit of a buzz about, "Mm, maybe at this point, not necessarily selfish, but he's looking to prove something because he's been on the outs for so long. Between injuries, between the contract, between being traded from Washington, He is a man without a home. He's lost. So I don't know if he's necessarily going to be the best fit. To go back to our original question, I don't know that he's necessarily going to be the best fit on this roster. To me, it would still be a guy who you can plug and play, and that is where Thad fits in best. Wall can be a good defender, can be an explosive scorer. He's not healthy, at least I don't think. He's not getting any playing time in Houston either. So big questions. There's a lot of questions there. I'm sure – We can trust Miami to make the right decision. They've proven that when it comes to these uh, low-budget additions in the middle of the season. Hey, look at you, Solomon Hill and Jay Crowder. Nobody expected those guys to be impactful, and they were huge. They had their moments. So did Andre. I think Miami does their homework. They do their due diligence. Look, Wall has been practicing in Miami before the season started. I think if Miami makes a move to acquire him, if he even gets bought out at this point in time, the Rockets haven't even done anything. So this is all... All speculative on our part. If he gets bought out, then if he wants to join Miami, maybe he wants to join Brooklyn. Maybe Kyrie never comes back. Maybe Kyrie just decides to sit out the season and prove a point. No one knows what's happening with Kyrie Irving. And he can say, you know what? I'm going to join that team. I would be very, very leery of doing that if I was Brooklyn because that roster feels like it is a powder keg waiting to go off. Again, tying all to my original to the original question sent in from Miles. Talent, all the talent in the world, and yet there are concerns there about how it all fits, how the roster is built, whether or not you're going to get the best out of everybody. Maybe it has a lot to do with James Harden, and this kind of ties into this next question who comes in via Jeff. Offensive ratings at its lowest since 2016, and effective field goal percentage has regressed to its lowest since 2017. The rule changes seem largely responsible. Do you think offenses will improve as players adjust, or will that be offset by defenses adjusting to their new power. Jeff, yes. I think it's four games, and I think that we, all, again, try to read a little bit too much into what we've seen so far. I don't know how it's all going to shake out by the end of the season. We're starting to see the immediate impact of it when it impacts James Harden, and I will say I think it's impacting Jimmy Butler as well. A lot of you are concerned about Jimmy's layups, and I went and looked back at some of those shots that he was taking against the Nets. He was looking for contact. Not as egregiously, not as floppishly as James Harden, but he was looking for contact. I don't think he was even trying to knock down that layup as often as he was just looking to get the foul call. Now, there were a couple of times there where he was under the basket and he got a rebound and he was just putting up a floater or something like that. Those shots looked a little wonky. Like He's still shooting 60% at the rim. I mean, I think it's fine. I think we're kind of overblowing it again after four games. Jeff, to your question, I have no, no exact – clue as to how it's all going to shake out. My feeling is that the rules are changing something, but it's also four games into the season. We always see teams kind of struggle off the bat. I think it'll continue to improve throughout the course of the season. Now, I don't know if you looked at these statistics through the first four games of the season and said, okay, well, this is indicative of other small samples throughout that time. Probably not. I also think that the league is constantly changing. I think we're going to start to see a couple players figure it out. I I really do think Harden, as much fun as it is to trash a guy like that, and believe me, I am not a fan of his style of play, I think he's going to figure it out. He's just too good a shooter, too good a playmaker to just kind of just languish and rely so heavily on free throw shooting. There's going to be some kind of awakening there. I'm not sure when it happens, but I think eventually he'll figure it out. I think defenses will also continue to to shine to some degree because they're going to have a little bit more, well, freedom, right? The power that you describe in your question. So I I think it's a great question. I think we just haven't seen enough. I know that's vague. I hate doing that to you, Jeff. But, you know, it's just too early to tell exactly how it's all going to work out. My feeling is that players, as they always have, will figure it out. For all the early complaints about three-point shooting and how the league is changing, et cetera, players have always figured out. I've, I'm old enough to remember griping about the hand check rule being taken away. Well, how are we supposed to defend these players, et cetera? They figured it out. They figured it out. They always do. They always change the rules. Not not necessarily the rules. They always change the style of play. They always try to do the best. You'll always see the best product out there. And believe me, I, I think I speak for a lot of you. I'm happy that the foul calls aren't going as as constantly like, that we're not hearing that whistle blowing all the time. The games just feel better. I know it's going to shoot – it's going to it's gonna bite Miami in the ass at some point. That's just the reality of it. Because Jimmy is a guy who has not notoriously hunted fouls like James Harden, but I, I think he's been the beneficiary of some pretty good calls over the course of his time, and I think he's looking for those calls on occasion. It's just the way it works. It's tied into the hierarchy of the NBA, the superstar who believes that he drives – the 18,000 fans that are there to see him. It's what you need in order to thrive at this level, something that none of us can can relate to. I don't know what it's like to be that kind of a superstar. I don't have 18,000 people watching or waiting for me to perform at the highest level. So uh, if I did, maybe I'd have a lot more of an ego to me. But instead, I'm, I'm sitting here in my pajamas recording an episode of Locked on Heat. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. Always a pleasure to answer your mailbag questions. Keep those coming in, not just for specific episodes, but just in general. If you've got a question about the games, if you've got a question about any of the players or potential moves that Miami can make, send them on through. Via Twitter, via direct message, via email over at Locked On Heat. Uh, this is it for today's episode. I'll be back at the FDX Arena to cover Friday's game against the Charlotte Hornets. Should be a good one. Special thanks to all of our sponsors for supporting today's episode. Special thanks to all of you for taking the time to make us your first listen every day. This is David ormill signing off for now. I oh.